How you doing, people? It is Friday, March 4th in the year 2022. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report Direct Message. We are live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Blaze TV. Do me a favor and subscribe. I think I've mentioned that once or twice. You've probably done it already, but why not double check? Because you never know what our big tech overlords are doing to us. Uh, and before we get to the rubinreport.locals.com Q&A today, we're going to talk a little bit about a beef a growing beef between Elon Musk and Joe Biden. And I also want to remind you guys that you can now pre-order Don't Burn This Country, which is my second book. It is coming out on April 12th, just about 40 days from now. Uh, I think you're going to dig it. It's sort of the next step after Don't Burn This Book. It's the next steps in how you can take more control of your life, how we can sort of get off the crazy train that these people have put us on and what you can do to empower yourself and not only survive, but as the subtitle says, thrive in our woke dystopia. Okay, though, let's start off with uh, Elon Musk and Joe Biden. Uh, Elon Musk, of course, SpaceX, Tesla, the boring company. This is a guy who's a true innovator, one of the founders originally of uh, PayPal, along with Peter Thiel. This is someone who has done more extraordinary innovation technologically, scientifically, in terms of production, just everything that we do. Uh, he's not happy with Joe Biden. And Joe Biden is a elderly man who's pretending to be president, who's been around in office uh, roughly 48 years in public life and hasn't accomplished that much and uh, who pretty much lies for a living. Uh, so they're fighting. And uh, I thought it would be an interesting way to kick off the show today. Uh, here's some info from Zero Hedge. Elon Musk tweeted at the president on Tuesday night, criticizing him for not mentioning Tesla during his State of the Union address. During the address, President Biden made mention of a combined 18 billion in investments made into electric vehicles by Ford and General Motors combined. Tesla was once again not mentioned by the president. Then during the State of the Union itself, Joe Biden has someone else tweeting for him. And now that's generally fine. Usually they've got interns or PR people or associates and assistants, whatever it might be. The thing is with Joe Biden and his Twitter account, it's like, it's obviously never him. But anyway, during the State of the Union, the official Joe Biden account tweeted this, Ford is investing 11 billion to build electric vehicles, creating 11,000 jobs across the country. GM is making the largest investment in its history 7 billion to build electric vehicles, creating 4,000 jobs in Michigan. Well, Elon Musk felt that he was getting slighted and he tweeted this at Joe himself. He wrote, Tesla has created over 50,000 US jobs building electric vehicles and investing more than double GM and Ford combined. FYI to person controlling this Twitter. There's a little, little needle for you. Joe, we know it's not you. Like Orange Man, that was that guy behind the, uh, the Twitter screen. Uh, Zero Hedge has a little more on this. The White House said it was worried Musk would be a bad guest and would say something to embarrass the administration if he was ever invited onto the premises. Musk responded to the report by telling CNBC, they have nothing to worry about. I would do the right thing. In late January, the Tesla CEO referred to Biden as a damp sock puppet in human form in a Twitter tirade he published in late January. 
Biden is treating the American public like fools, he later tweeted. Nobody is watching the State of the Union, Musk told CNBC in an email Wednesday. Biden has pointedly ignored Tesla, Musk has told CNBC in the past. So the reason I thought this one was interesting was because with all of the craziness going on, right? The war that they invented out of nowhere and the end of COVID, although now they're putting masks back on people and more mandates or something like that, and uh, supply chains and all of the stuff. Um, Biden going out of his way not to mention Tesla. He doesn't have to say Elon Musk's name. Okay, fine, you can put aside the ego for a second on that, Elon. But like to not mention Tesla that has created these 50,000 jobs on top of SpaceX, which is going to send us to Mars and beyond. It's like, this is a private company that does get some subsidies and tax breaks to do some of this stuff. But this is a private company that's not only building an underground, his boring company is building an underground system for futuristic cars to go under Los Angeles. Not that anyone will live in Los Angeles by the time it's done, but he's doing that. The Tesla is a freaking awesome, awesome car. Actually, my producer, Michael, sitting over there, got his Tesla this week, had two thumbs up, two thumbs up for the Tesla, okay? Uh, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, it, it clearly is like hands above, right? Like it's just like leaps beyond any other electric car at the moment. So. Biden is just creating an unnecessary fight here, but it, it does sort of make sense. Like if you think the government is supposed to do everything, right? Then you don't like people who kind of do things. You don't like people who actually innovate. You want everyone to be part of the government machine. And Elon Musk refuses to do that. Elon Musk, by the way, who took Tesla out of California because of high taxes, moved them to Austin, Texas. Now he's not getting any income tax, uh, of course, in Texas. Austin, though, is becoming sort of a blue dystopia in its own way, so they're going to have to deal with that. Anyway, I mention all this because I think it's just good to see some industrialists and innovators fighting against government nonsense. And on that note, let's get to a Rubin Report community Q&A. Kerry says, how did it come about that so many Americans agreed to hate America? Is there a unique evil genius? Yeah, you know, it's a good one because so much of this sort of starts with that. So much of the destruction of everything that we know is good, right? Equal rights, equality in the true sense of equality, that everyone has come here. I always say it, but it's, man, think about your grandparents. Think about what your great-grandparents, whoever your ancestors were that came here, whether they came on the Mayflower or they came on a boat from Venezuela or they came and eventually uh, you know, got to the Lower East Side in New York or whatever they did, whether they were, you know, prospecting, going west to find gold, like everyone's ancestors who came here, came here for a better life. And almost every single case of it, it turned out to be that way. And their children had it better. Their grandchildren had it better and everything else. We have such extraordinary goodness here and we're just on the cusp of giving it away. And that's the catch 22 of good times. Good times create weak men, right? And then weak men create bad times and then bad times create strong men. And then the good times that they bring start creating weak men. You get it? Like that's just how it is. And we've had such an incredible run of good times that we all sort of became weak within that. And, and I think, you know, the silver lining to everything that's happened over these last two, three years is a lot of us are looking in the mirror. We're trying to, you know, sort of figure out what mistakes we made along the way and, and really think about life in a new way. And there is a new horizon, guys. There really is. Like, it ain't gonna be easy to get there and it could still get much worse. 
But there are places that are fighting for things the right way. Have I said anything about the state of Florida lately? Like there really, really are. But uh, how did it happen? How did we all end up hating this place? It's everything. They, they won the culture war and then they made us feel guilty for freedom and goodness and success. And you should never feel guilty about that. You know, if someone grows up in a decent family with parents that work hard and love them and take care of them and they're middle class or dare I say upper middle class or even upper class, you have to be somehow shamed of that, right? We only love the story of the person who came from nothing and they had nothing and they were abused and then they had less than nothing and less than that and blah, blah. But it's like, you should be very proud if your parents busted their butts to give you a good life and most likely your grandparents did before that. I talk about that in my first book. Like that's, my life is the, is the American dream. My great grandparents came here with nothing. My grandparents were lower middle class. My parents got to, to middle class, maybe upper middle class. I've done pretty well, I hope that when we have kids that they'll do even better than me and that you don't forget all the traditions and all the good stuff along the way. So we got work to do, but yeah, they somehow, they somehow put a, a virus in the system to make a lot of people hate probably the most beautiful experiment in human history. Rim says, Dave, how's the new house coming? Love to get some decor tips. So it's coming along. It's taken some time uh, because of the supply chain stuff. Like we're just trying to get stuff we want to put a little wood on the walls. One thing that we're having right now, I don't know if you could actually hear it. Do you think they could hear it? Clyde was barking his brains out about 30 seconds ago, uh, which we're also getting the, uh, a trainer for Clyde. He's sort of lost some of his training since we got to Florida. I think it's the lizards everywhere, uh, and the iguanas and everything. Um, but we, so we wanna get some like wood on the walls and some stuff to deal with some of the sound because there's like a big echo in the main part of the house. Um, but it is coming together. You know, not all of our furniture match this house exactly. We, we have a lot of wall space here. Actually, one thing that I can ask you guys, we have a huge wall here, like really high ceilings, like 20 foot high ceilings in the main room that it's probably like 15 foot wide that, wide that I've got nothing on. I would love to get an awesome vintage American flag that we could frame. I'm talking massive, like massive, massive American flag. I don't know exactly where to get one. Can you hear Clyde right now? Or how is our soundproofing? Because he's going nuts right now. Um, so uh, decor tips, you know, we like modern stuff, but we like some industrial stuff and we try to keep it warm and we got a bunch of candles around and uh, yeah, we're, we're doing our thing, but we're getting there. And, uh, you know, hopefully the, the supply chain stuff gets solved. And some of the things that we've been ordering, you know, we're trying to build the new studio downstairs. Everything just takes time. We're trying to put a big window in. The guy said to get a window, it's going to take four months to get one window. Like, what? Thank you, Brandon. Steve says, with all that's happening right now around the world in our, in our own country, is there a topic that you've not been able to cover because everything else has been gobbling, gobbling up the airtime? Uh, this is a great question. So one thing that, you know, we talk about in sort of distant ways, or it, it bounces around because it touches a lot of the woke stuff and the CRT stuff is, I want to do more on school choice. Generally speaking, you know, obviously the big thing around that was that Glenn Youngkin won the governor's race in Virginia, and that was a real pushback by the parents to get critical race out of schools. That's to get it out of public schools. But I really want to do more on this idea of funding students instead of systems. I think this is really what the future of education is in America is going to be. I, I don't think we should have a Department of Education at this point. I don't think a federal department that is supposed to tell students from all over the world and teachers and ultimately parents, what these kids are supposed to be learning. It just doesn't make sense anymore, especially because wokeism has absolutely infected everything. Uh, I think that if you're gonna have any tax dollars go to education, and I suppose as long as we're gonna have taxes, that's a whole other discussion about taxes, but 
if we are going to have any tax money, meaning the government is going to take money from you and then pick what to do with it, I don't think it should be giving it to a system. I think it should be giving it back to you so that you can decide what do you want to do with that? Do you want to send your kid to the, to the public school? Do you want to send them to the charter school that maybe has a little bit more money and then you have to put more money in? Do you want to homeschool them? There's these pods now, all of these things. I just think it's so important because to link this to the first question, had, had this get so bad, had they get these bad ideas and had they teach so many people to hate America, it had a little something to do with the schools. Uh, Tracy says, how's Clyde adjusting to the Florida heat? Well, at the moment, he's, he's doing it, right? This, I, I don't know. I don't know if you can quite hear it, but he's barking his brains out right now. He's been killing squirrels and iguanas and lizards. He's having a ball, but we did actually just this morning we brought in a new dog trainer uh, because Clyde was a rescue. Uh, for those of you that don't know, we got Clyde the first day of the lockdown in Los Angeles. I, I, you know, as everything was locking down and everyone was running to the stores to get food, I saw this thing on Twitter about Los Angeles shelters. They were going to kill all, the, all these dogs because they didn't have people to take care of them and they were going to put all these dogs down. And Emma, our, our previous dog, who we just adored, and she had just passed away at 16 a few weeks before. We wanted a little break. But I was like, I can't just let them kill all these dogs. And I just ran to the shelter and I saw Clyde in there. He was in a, he's a, he's a boxer in a pit. He's a pretty big dog. He was being terrorized by a little chihuahua in a dress. I'm not kidding. A trans chihuahua was barking his brains at his or her or whatever brain at, at Clyde. And uh, he had a big scar on his head that we've since uh, he got surgery for, uh, but he was very timid. And I was like, he looked sort of like Emma. And I was just like, that's our guy. We're taking him. And he already had, they, they had signed the papers. He, he was going to be put down right then and there. Uh, they had signed the papers, but we saved him. He's good. Anyway, he's been a little nutty since we've been here. I think the, the, you know, there's more animals out here. We've got peacocks outside. We've got a lot of windows here. So anyway, we're getting him retrained and I think, I think he will be okay. And as, as per the heat, you know, we take, we try to go for two nice walks a day with him. Uh, and it is hot and humid sometimes. And he's, he seems to be doing just fine. And I've made it clear to him, you're not allowed to complain about Florida. So that's the most important. Uh, Phil says, hey, Dave, I too am a recent Florida transplant from Michigan. Congratulations. And you don't have to deal with Whitmer anymore and loving it every day. Ain't it grand to be free? I think what everyone wants to know is what position you will be accepting in President DeSantis's cabinet. Wow. Well, Look, joking aside, I, I've said before that if Ben Shapiro ever ran for president and became president, the one job that I would consider is press secretary. Like the thing that Jen Psaki does every day where she just goes up there and lies to all of those people, I would love. I, and, I, and by the way, it wouldn't last too long. Something would go horrifically awry. But for two weeks of that job to get up there and rail against all those evil lying reporters from the New York Times and the Washington Post and everything else and do it kind of in a fun way and just mocking way, like that sounds a lot of fun. So look, I, I said I would do it for Ben. I, I guess I would do it for DeSantis. Ah, you know what, why not? If Ron DeSantis becomes president, although once again, I just wanna go on the record, I'd prefer that he stay governor here in Florida. But if Ron DeSantis becomes president and he taps me to be press secretary to deal with those self-hating freak weirdos in the press corps, I would do it. Like I would do it to the best of my ability. I don't think it would end well, but I would give it a go. Um, but you know, Ron, stay. Gov, stay here, fortify the place. Then we'll see what happens. Yuri says, when you go back to LA, do you think you will view the city in a different way after living in Florida? 
so if you weren't watching the show yesterday, you may not know that what you're watching right now is actually pre-recorded from yesterday. I'm coming to you from the past right now, even though you think it's the present, because I'm in Los Angeles right this very moment. I had to take a flight very early Friday morning to go directly to the PragerU offices to tape my fourth PragerU video, which will coincide with the release of Don't Burn This Country. So the new video is sort of based off the ideas of the book. And I'm going to LA to do that, and then I am getting the hell out of there real quick. Real quick. Um, I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm really not. Just the idea of getting there and breathing that air again and seeing the miserable people with the masks and the thing. Uh, it just doesn't seem fun to me. I guess maybe I'll drive by my house, and my old house, and say hi to the house. But like, I don't miss anything about it. I really don't. Like, you know, I, I, we had good friends there, and a lot of them actually are en route to to moving here to Florida right now, or going to. A lot of them are going to Nashville as well. Uh, a couple in uh, Texas, Dallas area mostly. Uh, but I really just don't miss anything about LA. I don't. Uh, Elizabeth says, how does Rumble's platform differ from YouTube's and what inspired you to use this site? So Rumble, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people think that Rumble is just a YouTube replacement, meaning just like a forward facing video website where you just search videos and you get videos and you watch them and the player is clean and all that kind of stuff. Really what Rumble as a company is, is much more than that because they're really working on an Amazon AWS replacement, AWS, Amazon Web Services. And as I've discussed with you guys before, that's sort of the underbelly of the internet. When Parler got blown offline after January 6th and, and the big tech companies just did a coordinated mafia hit on Parler, it was because they were using Amazon AWS. And basically someone at Amazon just had to click a button or touch a touch screen or pull a lever and just blow apart their website just like that. So it showed a real uh, weakness in our ability to stay online. So Rumble is working on real AWS replacement stuff so that websites just won't be able to be blown up just like that. That's one thing. Um, the other thing, of course, you know, I created Locals a couple of years ago, really at first as a Patreon replacement. And then we realized, wow, there's a whole feature of suites that we can give, or a whole suite of features, I should say, that we should give to creators so that they own their content and they can get live chat out and text chat and all of these things that we're now doing and push notifications and own your data and own your, your user information, things of that nature. Locals ultimately was merged with Rumble. And I really believe these are the, these are the uh, tracks, the alternate tracks of the internet if there's gonna be a free internet. I don't know that we could do it, but we are trying and we've got great people, we've got great investors, we've got great engineers. And actually I should give a shout out to a, a whole bunch of our programmers who are in Ukraine right now, as far as I know, at least at the moment of we're taping this, everyone is safe, but people have been fleeing. It has not been easy. We're trying to figure out other ways that we can help everybody. Um, but I think that Rumble and Locals, it's the best chance we got to get off the, the big tech stuff. So I know obviously most of you still watch this on YouTube, but I would welcome you to just uh, subscribe over at rumble.com slash Ruben Report and start checking the show over there. And of course, uh, rubenreport.locals.com where you can interact with me a little more directly. Uh, Janet says, do you ever feel like some of the insane things the left says they actually believe or do you think they're lying? You know, it goes to that sort of intentions thing which we're always talking about here. It's like some of them are believers, right? Like real believers. Like I believe that Bernie Sanders believes 
the nonsense that he says. Like he just, he is a socialist at heart. He believes in a big system that he, who's never created anything, that he can create some sort of system above all of us that will govern us all properly. Even though Bernie has never created anything, like he created a couple political campaigns where people just give him money. It's a great gig for a socialist, right? Um, but he's never created a business. Bernie never really created anything of value. He's been a politician forever. That's not a creation. That's, to me, that's not an accomplishment. AOC becoming a politician is not an accomplishment. It's like, oh, you got a bunch of people to give you money and then the media liked you, so then you started having power over people. Uh, Bernie never created a restaurant, you know, hired people, balanced the payroll, et cetera, et cetera. I've done more of that than Bernie Sanders. Um, you, many, many of you watching this have done far more of that than Bernie. Almost all of you watching this, unless you're politicians, have done more than Bernie Sanders in that regards. But I would say Bernie is a believer in socialism, the idea of socialism. To me, socialism and the idea that humans create, can create a system that is better than us and is actually, uh, that, will, that will enable us to be better than, than we are as individuals, I just don't believe it. I just don't believe it. I think it's, I think it's anti-human, actually. Uh, so what you want to do, I think, is to empower people the most they can. Then from the ground up, they can create communities, which is why people go to church and to temple and things like that. And then you can sort of build up from there. So I think you have your real believers. And then you, I think, have the, just the confused masses. And I think this is what, this actually gets back to that first question I was asked about evil. And how did they get so many people to hate America? It's like, you get all of these people, you teach them all of these bad ideas that all sort of sound right. It's why leftism spreads so easily while the ideas of freedom don't spread as easily. Leftism spreads easily because it all sounds right. Oh, we want tolerance and blah, blah. And it's like, yes, we all want tolerance. Of course, everyone wants tolerance. Everyone wants, doesn't want people to be bigoted and all of those things. Uh, but to get rid of all of the bad things in, in humanity, you have to get rid of a lot of people. And that's why socialists end up, end up killing an awful lot of people. Communists end up killing an awful lot of people. Hitler, Pol Pot, etc. Um, so the believers there, you got the believers and then you've got the confused masses and then you've got the sort of tech part of this, which is that now we have algorithmically charged and corporate funded movements to push really bad ideas. And why do they push bad ideas? Because it's, it's pretty much ways that they can control you. Why do they push mask mandates? Why do they push ideas that, that, you know, all white people and Christians are racist? No one believes any, no one believed that the masks really worked. Fauci himself didn't right at the beginning. You've seen the emails. Nobody really believes that America is systemically racist. You have confused people and people who are using bad ideas to, to further whatever their goals are, which usually involve making some money. Uh, Ray says, with the science changing, and mandates being lifted. Do you think that the American people will just forget about everything they've been put through for the last two years and forgive Biden for all the BS? Look, I've been talking about this one a lot. The machine does incredible things. If you would have said to anyone a month ago, right, beginning of January, when Omicron had just sort of run, run through the entire country over Christmas into the new year, if you would have said, to anybody, boy, you know, when Joe Biden gives his State of the Union speech in a month from now, he's basically not gonna mention COVID for the first half hour, and we're gonna be talking about that war in Russia and Ukraine the whole time, as if that's the most important thing for the state of the American Union. Almost nobody would believe you, but that's how the machine operates. Like, they wanted to now get us off COVID, 
And why do they want to get us off COVID? Because they know that if they've abused us for so long that maybe some people are getting fed up with it and are not going to vote for them in a couple months during the midterms. So I, you got to give them credit how they do it, how they trick and confuse people and get people to cheer on their own abuse of masks, get people to cheer on firing nurses, get people to cheer on wars they know nothing about. Give the thing credit and know what it is, but don't forget. And that's why I've been trying to do the show the way I have, especially in the last couple of weeks. Don't forget who put us in this situation. You don't have to be a Republican, but you cannot be a Democrat. Peter says, how does the food and culture in Florida differ from the food and culture in California? Well, the culture question is easily is easy. I mean, the culture is just fabulous here and wonderful. And you know, there's a ton of, especially in Miami where I am in, in South Florida, there's such a Cuban and Venezuelan uh, influence that, you know, you drive around and you hear music and you hear Spanish and there's sort of a funness to it. And you can get a Cuban sandwich on any corner and a lot of coffee, a lot of coffee. These people love their coffee. Everyone drives like complete maniacs here in Miami. I think it's because it's such an international city that, you know, people just take whatever traditions they have from the roads in the countries with which they came and they just drive that way. And there's people just, it's nuts out here driving which is probably a good sign that Elon Musk will, you know, get those Teslas to be fully self-driving in cities at some point because every idiot's still driving around with their phone in their hand. Um, but the culture, the culture here right now, putting aside languages and things like that, uh, you know, I'm somewhat involved in the tech world. So I go to a lot of parties in that regard. And it's like the people that are coming here are so psyched to be here. Um, they, they want to bring other good people here. Like you can just feel it. Um, you know, I mentioned, right, when I got here, I went to a party and Mayor Suarez was there and he came up to me and he big hug, Dave, we're so happy you're here. It's like, they want good people here. So culturally, this, this place is just great. It's also hopping all the time. I mean, for the first few weeks we were here, we stayed at Friends on Miami Beach, which is just an absolute scene, like over the top scene because everybody wants to come and party in Florida, much like AOC and uh, the farting guy Swalwell, remember him? Uh, there's a name I haven't mentioned in a while for good reason. So the, the culture is just great here. The food scene, you know, we haven't gone out that much. We've only gone out to dinner maybe once or twice. We do like cooking here and you guys know I love the grilling. Um, I went to Hillstone. David and I went to Hillstone last night, which is a chain. So that's not like the most Miami thing ever, but we went to the, to the local Hillstone here and I just love Hillstone. It's such, if you haven't been there, Hillstone, some of them are known as Houston's, depending uh, what part of the country you're in. Um, they just do such a great job. And actually one of the things I liked was they had a card at the entry of the restaurant and they said, and it had, uh, the types of things that you could wear if you were to come into their restaurant. We don't want men coming in here with uh, tank tops. We don't want you coming in with open toe shoes, like flip flops. It was just like, you know, we, we treat this place a certain way and we'd like to you to treat it a certain way. And I was like, we could use a little more of that, a little more of, Hey, put on some good clothes and come out and eat some good food and the service is great and all that good stuff. But if you got some tips on Miami restaurants, we could use them. Talway says, what are some top beliefs and values that you want to teach your kids throughout their lives? Um, so look, you guys know we don't have kids yet. I'll have some updates on that shortly. Uh, probably more than I should say at the moment. Um, but I would say you got to believe in something more than anything else. I, I think also this is sort of related to some of the earlier questions. You know, we don't believe in anything in America anymore in, in a collective sense, right? Like I don't like the collective, but like in a, in a collective sense, like what's pushed forward in culture. And if you listen to Joe Biden and you listen to the, our politicians, it's just that government is everything and give these people things and they know how we should live. 
And if you don't, you're a racist and a bigot and everything else. And it's like, we never talk about where God fits into that or belief fits into that. And I believe that the people that came before me, whatever your, whatever your religion is, whatever your ethnic traditions are, uh, you know, the people that came before you probably knew a little something. And just because we all have iPhones and we all have iPads and we're going to the metaverse, it doesn't mean that we're really evolving in any better way. Are we that much happier? Are we that much more fulfilled or any of that? I'm not so sure. So that's helped me reconnect to, to some of my family's traditions. Um, and, and that belief, you, cannot have, you can't organize a society without belief. I don't think you can. Um, and uh, that's all I'll say about that right now. Uh, Lisa says, do you think it's possible that China deliberately released COVID-19? Any country that would starve to death 42 million people wouldn't have much of a problem releasing a virus. Uh, it is an excellent trial run in preparation for a virus that is really deadly. Yeah, look, I don't want to sound like a crazy conspiracy theorist because that just means I'll be right in two years. Um, but yes, it would not surprise me. I think there's a lot of evidence pointing towards the lab leak theory, which you know we weren't allowed to talk about a year ago that now most people seem to accept. So I don't know anything that you don't know, but I think that there's certainly evidence to point to that and that yes, we were doing research in the NIH funded in part by Fauci was doing research on mRNA uh, vaccines there, mRNA technology. So would it be possible though that China would unleash this thing to then get our own governments led by idiots like Justin Trudeau, like these people who have these really terrible authoritarian tendencies to destroy our own societies? Is that such a crazy leap relative to everything going on? Could China have really been playing a long game here and said, boy, we don't need to invade Canada and America with tanks. We can get them to destroy their own societies and shred up their founding documents and crush their own uh, dissent and free speech. We can get them to do it by themselves with a little bit of a cold. Does that sound t totally nuts to you? Uh, Sky says, as someone who has been on the left, why do you think leftists continue to dominate the culture when conservatives are the majority? I mean, partly this is changing right now. It really is. I mean, there's nothing good coming out of the left right now. They've wrecked comedy. You go through Netflix, it's all crap. When's the last time you saw a good movie? I, I, yes, I've heard Spider-Man, Spider-Verse, or Spider-2, or I'm Coming Home, or whatever it's called. I've heard it's good. It's coming out on Apple TV in a couple weeks. I'll watch, okay, fine. But like everything is pretty much crap. They destroyed Star Wars. The leftism destroys things because it doesn't believe in the individual, and the individual is the root of all creativity, right? So as it's destroyed things, I do think the things that are more funny now are conservative leaning things uh, or it just, just not woke things. But the reason that they dominated culture for so long was because I think conservative leaning people were out there building things and doing things and creating uh, real things while they were really focused on, you know, Hollywood and comedy and whatever. And there, there's value in that. Like, I love that stuff when it's done right, of course. Um, but I think it was just a different direction that people went because of the way they were wired to some uh, degree. Kevin says, are you taking a security team with you to LA? Remember those people are crazy and dangerous. Uh, Michael, my producer, who's sitting right over there, he will be joining me. And uh, has, is he trained in anything? Uh, we'll have to find out if Michael's trained and he doesn't strike me as, uh, well, uh, I could be in a lot of trouble, we'll see. Uh, Adam says, Dave, are you hopeful that we are gonna make it to the midterms and have a chance to vote these clowns out before the fascist machine destroys American freedom and liberty? Yes, I am hopeful. I am hopeful because if I was not hopeful, I could not do what I do. 
and you have to be hopeful too. And humans have lived through bad things and David beat Goliath. And I think we can beat Joe Biden or whatever machine it is behind him. And that is partly that we have to mock the hell out of them. We have to build new things. We have to not forget the past and pretty much all the stuff that uh, I talked about today. This is a good set of questions. You guys mixed it up. I'm proud of you. Uh, in closing, don't forget, guys, you can pre-order Don't Burn This Country at DaveRubin.com slash book, where we have all the links. So you can get it on Amazon. You can get it at Barnes & Noble. We have a link uh, to some local bookstores as well. If you want to submit questions for our next Q&A, uh, RubinReport.locals.com. And part three of my interview with Harriet Hageman, who is the Republican running against Liz Cheney in Wyoming, is up on YouTube and Rumble and ad-free the full thing at RubinReport.locals.com. That was a lot of talking. Have a nice day. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at RubinReport.Locals.com.